Welcome to One, where we'll learn about the one body of Christ, one story at a time. Well, welcome. Welcome to One, this uh, podcast where we hear about the many stories in this one body of Christ. And uh, really excited today to uh, have a conversation with uh, Eric Halbrun, a uh, member of North Park and just a great guy. I think you're in for a wonderful time getting to hear his story. And uh, so, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's kind of surprised to get that email, but uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, I'm game. Well, dude, I totally appreciate it because you, you were totally game in. You, you didn't like hesitate. You replied right back. So I, I appreciate it, my friend, very much. And uh, as I'm sure uh, folks will get to learn, uh, you have a, a great sense of humor and a dry sense of humor. So, uh, you know, no pressure here. You know, it's like setting up the comic right before they go on stage. You put all the pressure right on them, right? <laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> No. Well, hey, man, just to get us started, hey, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, uh, uh, wife, kids, kind of kind of tell us uh, about your family. Okay. Well, I've been married. Now, see, now, I should have thought about this one before. I've been married for 38 years, 30, no, 37 years, there 36 years, 36 years. It'll be 37 years this August. Okay. <laughs> nice. So <clears throat> mid-30s. Um, so uh, my wife, Lori. Um, and we have two adult kids, um, 18 months apart, two girls, uh, Paige is 26, Rebecca is 28, um, and both doing very well out of the home. Um, shout out to Paige. She actually just yesterday um, was accepted conditionally to the University of Washington's hybrid MBA program. Wow. So, yeah, so that's exciting for her. Congratulations. That's very exciting. That's very good. We're, we're, we're proud of her. Uh, she's, she worked really hard to, uh, get in. Um, so I just, uh, yeah, we're we're praying and wishing all the best that it works out real well for her. That's awesome. Um, older daughter, Rebecca is in the UK, uh, a few months away from finishing her master's in occupational therapy. Right. Um, so, and you might, uh, she's been abroad. It almost seems like more than she's been here stateside. So both girls went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo mm. and Paige started working right after college. Rebecca went to Spain to teach English for a couple of years, uh, came home for about nine months and wow. spent a little time um, kind of a, at gap year um, and then applied to OT schools and chose to go to school in uh, right outside of London, Brunel University. So she's been there now for a couple of years. So um, we're hoping that there will be a formal graduation ceremony for Rebecca um, and we're able to go in December. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, we've, we saw her, she came back in February for a brief period of time, but we've uh, not had a lot of opportunity to see her um, since she's been abroad. Um, we did get to go a couple of times when she was in Spain, which was a good reason for us to travel and do some traveling that we really hadn't done before. So. Mm-hmm. So we got to Spain and, you know, one of the first things she wanted to make sure we did was eat grilled octopus. Oh, there you go. Just kind of, you know, put that in front of our face, like here. Nice. Um, so when we go back for, um, hopefully when we get, get to the UK, um, I don't know that the UK is known for too many exotic foods, but uh, I just did hear no. of, there's something called these sea snails. 
that are called periwinkles. You ever hear of those? Look, oh, you, you you lost me at at snails, dude. I don't yeah, care what uh, it's called. So I'm just wondering if we're if she's gonna end up, you know, here. This is something that we eat over here. It's some North Atlantic sea snail thing called periwinkles. We know them as flowers. They're over there. They're sea snails. I know but, them as bait. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> hoping to get over to, to see her, and then um, and and Lori and I are both, um, you know, you and I were just chatting. Uh, we're both now prepping for retirement. Yeah, uh, we're both like just a couple of years away. So, and uh, now, now be... tell tell uh, folks you're uh, you're saying because I was I thought that was brilliant, dude. You, you you're saying <laughs> for retirement, which you you know I love it. Um, yeah. So trying to make this seem as short as possible, um, and depending on which week or month it is, I can identify as a runner or not. But when I was running more miles, you know, and you get to those last two miles. Thinking about running two more miles can seem like, eh. but I always like, okay, you know what? I just got one more mile before I only have one more mile. Yeah. So for retirement, as I was, just was telling a colleague of mine, I'm just one month away from just being one year away from starting my last year. So <laughs> that's fair. I think people probably have to pause and kind of think about that. Like, wait a yeah. minute. Do the math. Away, it works. <laughs> one month away from one year. So the final year of retirement. Yeah. Now there's some good so, mental gymnastics. I like that. Yeah. So, so we're, you know, we're starting to, you know, think about that and it's, it's that's awesome. Exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and for you guys, kind of a big transitions coming. We've already had the big transitions of having the kids leave uh, the nest. And then for you guys, um, one, one thing kind of pops to mind that uh, I remember it's sort of off topic, but it, it struck me you know, in transitions, there's in change and, and kind of craziness in life. And here this last year with, you know, COVID and craziness. And um, uh, we uh, tried to go back uh, on campus, uh, you know, as things let up a little bit in the summer for uh, Sunday worship. And, uh, you know, sadly, things got bad again in COVID and we couldn't do that. <clears throat> but that one uh, Sunday and you were up there and saw you and uh, just just the joy that you had uh, in being able to come back and, and worship again and being able to see each other, I, I never had a chance just to tell you just like, hmm. that was such an encouragement to me because at that point, <clears throat> we'd been doing online stuff uh, from March, April, May, June. And it was probably like, I guess, maybe July. I forget. <clears throat> and so it'd been a long time and, you know, just kind of preaching to a camera and an empty, you know, sanctuary. And then to be there on campus and, and for you to come in and, and just your excitement, your enthusiasm, your joy, really, of being able to be back and then to be able to see each other. That was a huge encouragement to me. And I, I just wanted to tell you, man, that that was a light for me in the midst of all that darkness, dude. Thank you. No, I mean, it's it was good to be out. It's good to start seeing people in person again mm. and having those connections. And, um, you know, everybody's wired differently. And I'll tell you, uh, I've been working from home, um, for these 14 months. Mm. Uh, I went into my office once because I had some technical issues that I needed dealt with on my laptop. Other than that, I've been at home and we're, going to reintroduce people into the office next week, actually, for the first time in wow. Los Angeles office. I'm probably one of 
less than 20% that were polled that said, I'd like to go back, not full time, but um, other people are, you know, they're content to stay at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm quite honest, I'm not wired that way. I, I, I miss the connection with colleagues, with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Lori hears me tell people that over and over again. And she thinks, what, well, you don't like being here with me. And it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it's not that I just, um, you know, I think we need those connections yeah. and, yeah. Um, so it's important to me. So yeah, uh, it, it, I'm glad to get back to our campus and, um, you know, see the folks that we haven't been in person with for. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, it, it, like for worship, you know, the, the, what's really struck me back in October <clears throat> when we were able to do the, uh, the outside service again, this is like October 4th was the first time. And and we're outside and we're under a tent. And it was the first time we'd had everybody back for a service. And the first time we sang and you could hear all the voices, it, it was just uh, almost overwhelming because it was so good to have you know everybody singing and hearing everyone together it was a really powerful, wonderful thing. So uh, I totally get that. Um, hey, a question I'd like to, to ask you um, as a Christian, uh, your, your story. So, uh, how did you come to faith in Christ? I know your story is, um, a little different than maybe some others at North Park, uh, your family of origin. So, uh, kind of share, uh, us with that. Yeah. So I was, um, uh, I was brought up Jewish, um, raised in a Jewish home and, uh, probably, you know, fell into that category of what people would refer to as a cultural Jew. So um, we didn't go to the synagogue regularly. There wasn't really worship. Um, Passover would come. We'd bring matzah into the house, but we wouldn't necessarily have a Seder. Um, Hanukkah, we'd light the candles. But it was important for my to my parents, for my parents, that, that I'd be bar mitzvah. So at age nine, I start Hebrew school. And from nine to 13, I went to Hebrew school and was bar mitzvah at age 13. And, uh, I, I tell people, and this is true. I, I could probably count on one hand, the number of times I've been in a synagogue since my bar mitzvah. Wow. Um, and, and that includes being dragged to synagogue a couple times by a high school girlfriend. Um, so, uh, Lori and I met at Cal state Northridge and, oh. uh, you know, ultimately got married. Um, and she was always, she had been going to church. She was raised in a Presbyterian church. Um, so when we got settled in our first house, which is in San Gabriel, um, she was looking for a church that she could go to and actually found a Methodist church that she liked. Mm -hmm. Um, and she asked me, would you go with me just to keep her company? You know, no expectation of, um, worship or just, just to accompany her because she, so she wasn't alone. Yeah. Yeah, said, absolutely. So I would go to church with her. Okay. Um, and that kind of morphed. We moved out here. We ended up going to, uh, Valencia United Methodist and I would continue to go with her and, and it was fine. Um, met friends, um, that became friends through doing that. Um, communion Sundays, I, you know, everybody would get up to take communion one way or another. And I'd be 
sitting down, just, you know, I wasn't taking communion, but it's okay. Okay. Uh, and then Lori asked me, you know, would you ever want to um, go to a Bible study? Huh. And I said, yeah, I'm, you know, sure, I would do that. And there happened to be one um, called Faithlink. Okay. Um, and I described it as talk radio meets the Bible, where it would take huh. topical issues and look at them through a biblical perspective. Oh, interesting. And, and that was really right up my alley because, hmm. you know, I'm one of the idiots that posts comments in the signal and, you know, <laughs> current events and um, have trouble not expressing my opinion on things. Um, okay. So I started going with that. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, what was funny is that the, the gentleman that was leading it would often, re when something came up of a, had to do with a Judaic heritage or something like this, well, Eric, you're Jewish. And it's like, dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> I really know nothing. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I know some, it's not that I don't know, know anything, but I always felt like I was more of a blank canvas, hmm. which kind of led me to that openness where I didn't feel like I was really giving up anything or turning my back on Judaism okay. um, to learn about Christianity. So hmm. Faithlink then evolved into a disciple class, this okay. long, um, I don't know, it's probably like a 40 week where you go through the Bible. So I did that with Lori. Now, about, um, how, about how old were you at this time? Um, Mid-30s, I think. Okay. <clears throat> so you already had kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So mid-30s, um, got kids. You're, you're attending with Lori uh, and did the faith link. And then you know, there's this 40-week, you said? Yeah, it was a discipleship class. Okay. And, um, Disciple one, disciple two, did both of them. Um, and then I also was talking to our pastor and he recommended Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And yeah. I read that and that was influential um, because wow. I was hearing from someone who wasn't a believer, mm -hmm. who kind of told his story. Um, so it helped me, it resonated with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my coming to Christ was not, like some people feel it like, you know, struck by lightning, I guess. Right. That was not me. It was a slow journey, step by step. Um, I'm, I can be somewhat of a cynical person, um, analytical. Um, and, and I finally, I don't know, just really thinking about it and everything that I had learned, I said, you know, the, the one thing that was holding me back, honestly, from actually confessing that, yeah, I, I am accepting Christ was that I felt like I was holding myself to a higher standard, perhaps, because if you were raised in a, quote, Christian home, even not necessarily a very spiritual home, it's not challenging to start going to church and take those steps. Right. Um, when you're raised in a Jewish home, it, it's like, I felt like I was really, it's like, I really need to make certain of this, you know, yeah, I'm not makes just, sense. you know, it, it, yeah. so I finally realized it's like, you know, I don't have to have all the answers. And that was the other thing. It's like, and I realize now, and I feel like more mature in my faith. And I realize 
there aren't a lot of people that have all the answers. And if you wait until you have all the answers and that there's no doubt and it's, you not, you don't question anything, um, it will be very hard for a lot of people, I think, to um, commit to that faith. And, True. and part of, you know, even the word faith is that we don't have all the answers. Yep. Yeah, so, that's well said. That's so true. And, and just a number of things about your story, you know, the difference there and how people come to faith. Some are, you know, instant, you know, like the Apostle Paul blinding, you know, uh, experience on the road, you know, uh, road to Emmaus. And then there are others that's a journey over time, um, you know, and it's interesting you mentioned C.S. Lewis because you know, his was more like yours. It was a journey, you know, from, you know, no faith and really being, you know, sort of atheist and sort of agnostic and, you know, then his relationship with, uh, you know, J.R. Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings author, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then their sort of friendship and, and discussions and ongoing discussions. And it's interesting when you read in a C.S. Lewis talk about that journey for him, it was similarly, it was kind of working through things and, you know, taking his training, you know, in uh, uh, literature and and uh, medieval and uh, literature and English literature and so forth, and then seeing okay, this is a story, but it's a story that has like a basis to it. And and then, you know, even I think at some point says something similar to you of, you know, there's still a mystery there, right? That, that you know, not everything is neat and tidy and perfectly buttoned up, um, but, but yet there's enough clarity to take that step of faith. Yeah. And, and I... In many ways, I, I'm a path of least resistance type of person, or I like I like to distill things down into more simplicity, hmm. um, rather than rack my brain over things that I, I realize I will never have the answer to. And one of those things is, you know, when you look at theologians and biblical scholars, and they don't agree. I mean, there are different philosophies. True. So again, it's like, well, listen, if these people that have far more wisdom than I will ever have when it comes to the Bible, the theology can disagree on, on things. It's okay for me to have questions. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, and I feel a little more, I'm I'm definitely a lot more confident in expressing that because again, it's like the perception was, is that, you know, it's like everybody gets it, you know? And if you have questions, it's like, well, I, you know, you really shouldn't be having those questions, but I think it's okay to have those questions. And, yeah. um, and it is a journey and, and we don't really, at least while we're here, um, the journey never really ends for any of us. I don't think. Absolutely. And having that, you know, I think it's important, you know, for people to feel, uh, safe in asking questions, you, you know, boy, and I hope North Park's that kind of place for people where they can come in and go, you know, I don't have everything worked out and, you know, maybe I'm not a Christian yet, or I'm just kind of checking things out, but, you know, I'm going to come in and it, it it's okay to come with the questions and it's okay to come and not have the questions answered and be in a place of working things out and wondering and raising questions and go, I don't get this, or, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this aspect. And it'd be like, cool. That that's right. Well, we'll do this together. Right. And we'll, we'll go yeah. through this journey together and, um, you know, uh, take, take it one step at a time. 
So yeah. for you, when uh, you you came to trust Christ as Savior, um, so for for you that you've been now a Christian for roughly a couple of decades. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so a couple of decades, and and so that journey for you has continued uh, in growing and and learning. And one of the things that uh, I've seen in you, Eric, and I really appreciate, and I think you're a great model um, to for guys, uh, believers, to the guys at North Park, is um, serving. Uh, and, an example of that is with Care Portal. Um, and folks aren't familiar with Care Portal, uh, it's an organization that helps connect the local church. Uh, to needs in their community, particularly needs that have been uh, surfaced through um, agencies like uh, Child Protective Services or counselors at a, a high school that participates and they uh, have some family that's in need or some family where the uh, uh, kids maybe are going to uh, have to go into foster care if you know, maybe some material needs aren't met. And then so if they can connect the family in need with the church as resources, right, then boom, uh, you know, some great things can happen for a family. So long story short, opportunity came up uh, for us to form a new team. And uh, it was so fun seeing you and the another person at church, Liza Purdy, step in to, to lead uh, this new endeavor. And you guys stepped in, I'm in the midst of COVID of all times. I mean, of all times to try to do something new like this. Um, and, and, and you guys jumped right in. Um, kind of talk for a few minutes, if you would, like, what have you found about serving in the ways that it impacts you as a Christian? Like, how has serving uh, impacted you in being a disciple and in uh, knowing Jesus and in growing as a Christian? I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. I guess this is another example where I distill things down into some simplicity for me. Um, and I've really, I mean, I've glommed on to the great commandments, love God, love your neighbor, um, and how you express that. And, and I think there's nothing more important. I mean, that's what Jesus says. That's why it's part of the great commandments is to love your neighbor. And, and that that's, it's pretty simple and straightforward. So yeah. how do you do that? And I think we all need to find ways to do that. Um, mm. And I mean, truth be told, um, I mean, there are some people that do an amazing amount of work. Um, I never feel like I'm, I was one of those people and I can feel convicted that um, I don't do enough. Um, but in some way, I think that uh, it's just part of expressing our, our faith. And I think that that's one of the most important things to me is that um, showing that love. Um, and I, I always go back, there's another thing that I continue to refer to. And it was a, a conference that we attended. Oh, it was Act Like Men. Um, it was in Long Beach. And we did that in lieu of a men's retreat one year. This okay. goes back a, a number of years. And I forget who the pastor was or the speaker was, but um, his point was that, you know, we're not going to agree. We're not going to agree as um, 
Christians, and, and certainly if we get into discussions with those that are more secular, we are not going to always agree in terms of our worldview and how we see things. But the thing that should be apparent is that you should be able to identify the Christian in that group as the one that seems to be exuding love. Oh, that's well said. You know, and, and that, that was what, probably my big takeaway from mm-hmm. that, that conference. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you need to find ways to, to show that. And, um, and, and truth be told, I, I think in, in many cases, there are a lot of people that can fall in this category of the angry Christian. You know, that we can get so passionate about what we believe that, you know, you, you almost come across as the angry Christian. And that's people look at that and go, if that's what it is, I don't really want a part of that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and Jesus said, you know, they will know you, talking to the disciples, you know, they will know you know us by your, what, love, right? Yeah. And, and that that was going to be the hallmark, you know, of those who are really with Jesus would be known by your love. And particularly, it's love for others. And, you know, it's interesting you say you, you boil it down. Well, your your model there of uh, the the best one to boil it down is Jesus. So, you know, well done, you know, because he's like, ask the question, what's most important? And he goes, hey, uh, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he takes those two, love God with all your heart, strength, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, these two... Uh, uh, everything sort of hangs on those. And, um, you know, it, it was so fun when that request came through uh, for North Park to be a part of this, because it was just a, a, a God thing, where you've got a, a university on the other side of the country um, that is saying, hey, we, through our football team, want to contribute funds to Care Portal, and then Care Portal match us with a church, and then Care Portal, of all the churches in L.A. County, right? I mean, that they could choose. They chose us. It's like, okay, that's a God thing, right? Little North Park, all, you know, hundred churches, and they chose us to match us with, you know, a university, D1 university on the other side of the country, and they're going to give money. And then we're responsible, get the stewards to take those funds and match them up with needs through Care Portal and in here in Santa Clarita. And it's like, oh my goodness, like, okay, Lord, this is completely you doing this. And what's, you know, Needs can come up and, you know, you could have opportunities like that from uh, Care Portal, University of Missouri. Um, but if you don't have people in the, in the church that say, here I am, here I am, mm-hmm. Lord, use me, then, then nothing happens. It's just like, okay, great that happened, but, you know, we got to have people step up. And, and it was just so encouraging to me personally, you know, to, to have that come through, see God moving, and then come to our body and go, man, I'm just stoked like that God has provided this opportunity. We need people to step up, uh, to step up and help lead this. And and you and Liza are like, we'll do it. And I, and I came with the metaphor of, you know, we need somebody to lead the offensive team and the defensive team, you know, two teams and, you know, keep yeah. the football metaphor. And, and then you and Liza on your own came up with the funniest promo video for the church where you guys are shuffling in and out of screen on the camera with a football you know, recruiting people to come and be on, on either the offense or the defense. Uh, dude, I was, I was in tears. I was laughing so hard. Well, you got to give credit to the production talent. I think it was John Nelson that uh, um, came up with that. Okay. So, um, but 
<laughs> oh, what, kudos to John, man, because that was hilarious. And then you guys as the talent. I mean, hey, he, he's the backstage guy, but let, let's let's don't uh, throw any shade on the talent. You know, you and Liza, you, you brought your A game for that thing, buddy. All right. Well, the next one will cost you more then. Okay. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you double. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even triple and nothing, you know, still is pretty, uh, pretty cost effective. That was fun to do. Um, and it's, uh, what I like about care portal is that, uh, you know, you're working ultimately through what child protective services is a, a big, um, part of that. Yeah. And I can only imagine that it's one of these agencies that is just fraught with red tape and bureaucracy. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's nice to, cut a lot of that out. It's like, there's a need, there's a way to meet the need and it gets done. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that's, um, that's one of the things I really like about it is that, uh, it, you know, and I, uh, you know, one of the biggest needs has been mattresses, right? Because I mm-hmm. understand now through this process is that, um, the simplest of things can keep families apart. Where right. if you don't have a place for your children to sleep, we may have to take them out of the home and put them someplace where they can. So, right. um, <clears throat> uh, so just providing mattresses helps mm-hmm. keep the family together. And, uh, you can only imagine, I mean, we're doing such a small bit compared to the size of the problem and, yeah. you know, how many other families could potentially fall apart because of not being able to do that. And, and those are the things that I mean, if you really think about it, um, you know, with the wealth of this nation and, and with the wealth that some individuals and organizations have is that, um, that would seem like one of the problems that shouldn't even exist. There should be a way that that, that problem just goes away. So. Dude, I totally agree. And that's why careful is such an answer, a prayer for, for, uh, us, as the Hart School District reached out to some um, churches, and North Park was one of them, and said, "Hey, would you guys partner with us? Because we, you know, there's these needs in our community, and w- we just need help. So, would you guys meet with us and figure this out? And and you know, so it was just uh, you know a God thing to sit here and have the school district say we want to partner with churches. But then we were both school district and us churches going, how do we match us up? You know, they're surfacing the needs through their counselors. Um, and then here we are with resources, but how do you connect them? And then lo and behold, comes along care portal. That is that connection between the two, uh, which is a huge blessing. Um, but, it, but you can make all the connections you want, but it still takes people who are willing to go, here I am. Right here, I am. I'm going to serve. I'm going to step in on a team that you know Eric puts forward, or or what have you. And um, that that takes that willing heart, you know, to, to carve out the time, you know, uh, make that more important than something else. Um, and you know, and you model that well, and I'm grateful for that, uh, you know, because it, it it's just key, right? As you said, they'll know us by our love, you know, uh, and also just for the health of the church. So, you know, keep at it, my friend. Thank you. Keep at it. Yeah. Um, so for, for you and uh, uh, Lori, as you're entering the stage of life, right, uh, where you're going to be footloose and fancy free, 
uh, pretty soon. I mean, you know, not a care in the world. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not one. (laughs) Not one at all, right? Not one at all. Um, I'm kind of curious how you're approaching that as a Christian, because, um, you know, you look in Scripture and you you don't find uh, retirement, right? Uh, Retirement is something FDR came up with, I think it was. Um, But the idea of retiring as a Christian just isn't in there, right? And you said earlier, um, you know, that this journey is for all of life, right? We continue this journey of life. How do you envision that for, for you and in Lori, you know, as you, you're going through this big transition that's coming up uh, a month from the coming year that's a year away? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I love that, dude. I love that. So how, how are you kind of approaching that, you know, from a biblical perspective, you know, thinking through things? How do you approach these changes from a biblical perspective? Um, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about that as of yet, but just uh, when we all think about our resources, I mean, the two big ones are time and money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're, and in some cases, for some people, there's more intellectual property than others, but in terms of our resources, but you think of time and money. Um, and I think part of working in this country, and, and I work for a large corporation and, a, you know, it's just typical big corporation, um, that your time is never truly yours. Mm-hmm. And so time is very limited. Um, financially, there's a finite situation there, but I would hope, and this is, you know, so I'm saying this now is that when I'm no longer working, I will have more time. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's incumbent upon me to use that valuable resource in a way that serves God. Um, so there's no longer, no excuses. No, I really don't have time now. I've got, you know, either things that have to be done or your mind is preoccupied with things that need to be done. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that. I, I am because I, uh, I mean, I will, I will confess. I, um, you know, I've not been, this is a blessing. Um, I've not been unemployed a day since I was 16 with the exception of perhaps, you know, taking that week off if I took a week off between jobs or whatever. So I've been working, you know, I think, you know, a long time Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, you know, and we all go through the stages where, you know, you're working, Lori's working, she's a special ed teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have kids, um, that are in school and time is just, it's a precious resource. Um, and retirement will provide the opportunity to allocate that resource in a way, hopefully that honors God. And, uh, um, where there are no more excuses. Um, so don't know what that'll be yet, but, um, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, because everything comes at the expense of something else right now. It seems Mm -hmm. like, you know, if you allocate more time to the church, um, or more time to serving God, you are taking that time away from perhaps your family, your children, when they're younger or work. And I know everybody says that nobody looks back and says, boy, I wish I would have spent more time in the office. Um, 
But I think they were saying that back when there was a little bit more loyalty and people, um, <laughs> uh, I think things were a little bit different back in those days. I mean, corporate America now is this kind of a free agent nation. And it's like, well, the expectation is we gave you the laptop, we gave you the cell phone. Um, and if you don't want to commit to doing that, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's almost not discretionary, I guess is what I'm saying is that you, gotcha. it used to be perhaps that that phrase kind of emanates and implies that there was some discretion. I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time at the office mm-hmm. and, some of these people that maybe would choose not to spend so much time at the office find themselves having to look for another job. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think it's kind of a harsh reality. Yeah. Well, the changing dynamics, right. Of, uh, you know, work and sort of our, you know, economic situation, uh, you know, uh, as a, as a country and as a world, it's kind of the irony that, you know, as technology has increased and always, there's always the, promise, right, that's been held out. Boy, as we become more technologically proficient and, and new gadgets and new things, then it's just going to free us up. We're going to have all this ample time where, you know, we're going to be shuffling as much paper and we're going to, you know, it's going to create space in our lives. And uh, I don't think I've talked to too many people that say, yeah, I, technology has created more space in my life. <laughs> in fact, it's just going to create a lot of the demands uh, upon our times. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Did you ever watch um, the show Mad About You? Remember that show with uh, Paul Reiser I and didn't. Helen Hunt? I've seen it, but it okay. wasn't... Uh... Well, uh, that show is similar to like Seinfeld set in New York City, uh, kind of like in the early 90s, but it's all pre-internet. And so uh, uh, they put the reruns up on TV and started, uh, you know, just one of those, you know, that and Seinfeld, just, you know, love those. And started watching them. And what was so fascinating was so many of the stories revolved during things that completely wouldn't today. Like uh, one of them was um, uh, they couldn't leave the apartment. You know, it's a sitcom. They couldn't leave the apartment because they're waiting for uh, the phone call. And then they're afraid that the answer machine, you know, wouldn't get it. Right. And, right. you know, and then they're trying to figure out what to do. And he's pulling out the New York Times, you know, and it's just he's thumbing through all this stuff. And, you know, there's no, you know, going online to search for stuff. Um, you know, no Instagram, no Facebook. I mean, it's literally, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, you know, only set 20 years ago. And yet it feels like you're watching a show about a very different way of life. Yeah. Right. I mean, a very different way of life. That's my point. And I think that different way of life impacts all areas, right. Including the demands on our time from work and from others. Um, and, and yet, I, I think the, the, the biblical call there hasn't changed, right? I mean, the biblical call uh, for Christians, like you said, you know, to, to love your neighbor, uh, to use your spiritual gifts, um, to gather together uh, as, as, a, as Christians to worship. Um, Keeping that priority in the midst of the changing demands is um, so important, but it can be quite a challenge, right? It can be quite a challenge. Yeah, because it, it does, it creates a lot more distraction, mm-hmm. um, some unnecessary, some perhaps necessary, but, um, and it, it takes away from 
the, uh, the ability to actually think and spend time with your own thoughts, perhaps, because mm-hmm. um, we're bombarded. You know, True. like you go to fill up, you know, go to the gas station, right? And what's on the pump, but a screen. I get in an elevator in my office. If I can remember what that was like. There's a screen in the elevator. Um, and, hmm. you know, it just makes me think, you know, what am I, uh, the screw tape letters, another C.S. Lewis book. And, oh, you know, and, and it talks about, you know, the, the devil and, and ways of separating people from God. And while, you know, Technology has kept the church together in, during the pandemic. Um, aside from that, um, it, it's really, it's a great way to drive a wedge between people and having that time to just even think about God and, and Christ and, um, and that side of their life. Boy, that's a, it made me think exactly the screw tape letters, one of those chapters where um, uh, the elder demon uh, is is you know writing to the younger team to give him direction and guidance you know on how to keep uh, what C.S. Lewis the, the calls the patient right which is the person yeah. from following the enemy which is God which is, right? right and and so the elder demon is is writing to uh, the younger one saying uh, best things you can do is keep him distracted. Right, just keep them distracted. Keep them uh, interested in you know the silly things that are going on, some you know uh, uh, mundane or you know uh, irrelevant kind of things in modern day life. And and he's writing this back in the '40s, right? And he's talking you know modern day life, you know the distractions of modern day life to keep right. them you know from occupied in, in the important things. And I think, boy, man, your 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 point is so well made. You think about all the um, distractions when. For example, you, you go out in public now, and I've got a, a new thing what I do is I try to, um, at some public place, I look around <clears throat> to see not how many people are on their phone, but how many people are not. <laughs> so that's my, so that's what I do now is I'm like, okay, I want to see like, you know, it, particularly if you come to some spot, like um, uh, you're waiting in line, uh, you know, to, for something. Uh, maybe it's to get a table at a restaurant or, you know, you got a few minutes, you're, you know, checking out, you know, uh, at a store, what have you, you know, so those moments of quiet where maybe before we had cell phones, our mind would have wondered. And it's fascinating. I was reading this research paper talking about how important that is for creativity. Uh, do nothing time mm-hmm. that actually it's not unproductive. Actually that free space is, is, is good. Um, but instead, when, when we get in those times of uh, uh, nothing's going on, now the impulse is, oh, I got, I, I've got to pull up my phone. I've got to check X, Y, Z, you know, an email or, or a social media feed. And boy, those things are, you know, constantly bombarding us. Uh, and also, I'll just confess, I'm guilty as charged. Yeah, we I all mean, are, I, right? Yeah. We all are, because what's ironic is, <clears throat> as I'm counting how many people aren't on my phone, um, the, the only way I can count is by stopping looking at my phone so I can turn around and count. <laughs> I have to put it in my pocket for a second so I can count, you know, but it's just that, that different dynamic, right, that's sort of pulling on us. Um, and 
I love technology. Like I just, I, I love it. I love learning about it. You know, in the midst of the, the horrible things of this COVID year, one of the blessings has been learning a lot of uh, new skills technically. Um, so uh, I'm not a hater on technology by any means. Uh, but at the same time, it, it does present a potential like anything uh, to be good or, or be not good. Right. And, um, you know, I think even for church, uh, you know, the, the blessing for us this past year is that we were able to do church online when, when we couldn't gather together. Like, man, what a blessing. Just a huge blessing. Right. And yet there's that flip side where if we get into the habit of, well, I'll just watch church, you know, from the couch, it's more comfy. I can stay in the pajamas, you know, type of deal. Yeah. And and we fail to continue to meet together, right? Um, then that's a detriment. It's a detriment to our well-being, a detriment to our spiritual health, development, our, our growth as followers of Jesus. It's really bad for the church body, right? Um, so for you and Lori, like, uh, I mean, you're just like everybody else. You, you've gone through this past year and those struggles. How have you guys navigating that, you know, uh, individually and as a couple, if you don't mind me asking? Like, has that been a struggle for you guys? Like, wh where are you guys landing on this stuff? Um, you know, I mean, together, I think it was fine, honestly. I mean, we, um, I, I joke where, you know, Lori probably heard, I don't know how many times, you know, over conversations of mine where I, I expressed to people at work or um, that is work-related about how I, it, I feel like a, a teenager that's been um, grounded for a year. You know, um, I, my, my little office area is a retreat off of our bedroom. So I'm in my bedroom all day long and I don't like it. Um, and I, I'm antsy. I, mm. so that's uh, how it's impacted me. But from our, in terms of our relationship, um, we've been fine. Um, mm. it, it's worked out well. She has her space. I have my space. She's a special ed teacher. So it's been really challenging for her um, to start to, you know, when she first started to have to use Zoom and the technology to do what she could do. Um, and, you know, again, I mean, neither, neither one of us are 30 somethings anymore. So um, it's not what she signed up for when she became a special ed teacher, yeah. you know, and she's gone her whole career not having to deal with that. Well. So um, that was particularly challenging for her. Um, but now she's, you know, you just roll with it. It, mm -hmm. it is what it is. And um, it worked out okay. Um, and, you know, as you said, I, I mean, technology, you know, kept us connected to the church. Technology has kept us te uh, connected to our small group. Mm -hmm. um, so that was all very important in having those connections in some sense of normalcy yeah. throughout all of this. Um, and, and when you hear about people that are really struggling, and I know there are many that, that are for a whole host of reasons, um, I think it's people that have completely lost connections. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe they're working remotely, but, um, you know, I think having, you know, a, that small group has been great. And just being able to share what's going on in our lives and to hear what's going on in their lives and, and keep that connection going 
Um, and, and now we're back together, you know, meeting um, outdoors for the time being. But um, we've been getting back together again in person and it's been wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Reestablishing that in-person connection, you know, which is so, uh, so critical, so critical. Well, hey, Eric, I just want to tell you, thank you, buddy, for taking time uh, from uh, from work and playing hooky, you know, to do this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no, you're not, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, but you're a month from retirement, so it's fine. Sort of. A month from a the month year. from... Before the year when you retire. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, buddy. Well, again, just appreciate you being on this and uh, just love you and Lori and uh, look forward to continuing the journey with you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, friends, uh, it's good to have you join us for another conversation here on One, where we get to hear these many stories as one body of Christ and uh, look forward to doing it again, where we continue just seeing the incredible ways that God is at work. And uh, uh, if you don't know Jesus, uh, encourage you, uh, reach out to me, to Robert Cavan, uh, Robert Cavan, uh, robert.cavan at northpark.com. I'd love to uh, engage with you uh, and uh, welcome to come anytime to North Park Community Church so we can do this journey together. So until next time, take care.